This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, the 2024 Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl are in the books. The next phase of the pre-draft process is pushing towards the 2024 NFL Combine. Here at Saturday Sunday, we will continue to cover every aspect of the 2024 NFL Draft wire to wire. Tonight, breaking down what I saw from the practice film that was available for the Senior Bowl, the game, things that stood out about the practices, things that stood out in the game, players that stood out. Stock up, stock down for some players. Lot to digest from this week. Again, it's just a small sample in the pre-draft process, but I do think it does have merit, just like the Combine has merit, just like the Pro Days have merit. Everything is just a part of the bigger puzzle. Obviously, the film carries the most weight by far, and that's for NFL teams, and that should be for any evaluators. But the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Pro Days, do help, you know, maybe break some ties, do send this back to the film, uh, do give us a chance to kind of maybe level the playing field a little bit for smaller school pro, uh, players who maybe didn't get a chance to play up to the level of competition, which they obviously will see on Sundays in the NFL. So let's kind of jump right in. Figure we'll do this by position. We'll start with the skill positions first, and then I'll maybe share my thoughts on just some other positional players. Uh, that aren't the skilled players that that had good weeks and maybe a little stock up on them uh, as well. But but let's start at the quarterback position because I think that's obviously uh, you know the the big storyline there. And again, from the practices, from the reports, it kind of was a ho hum week for the quarterbacks. We didn't have anybody who kind of was generating a lot of buzz, like the year that Baker Mayfield was down there or the year that. Uh, Josh Allen was down there, or even the buzz surrounding Daniel Jones when he was down there. We didn't have anybody generating that type of buzz. Obviously, the two headline names were Bo Nix and Michael Panix. Michael Panix chose not to play in the game. Bo Nix did play in the game. And I think from what we saw on the, the practice film, from what the people who were down there writing up daily reports as well, it sounded like nobody... Really, I would say stock up on any of those two guys. I wouldn't say stock down on Michael Panix or Bo Nix. I don't think any of them kind of seize the moment where people are like, yeah, they're for a lock top 15 or top 10 or top 20. I think we're still where we are. I think if anything, more more buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl is that Bo Nix has a better shot of the two to be a first round uh, pick. While Michael Panix is probably looking at more day two. But there are some people that, you know, think Michael Panix is around three guys. Other people still might think he's around one, but the medicals, you know, when I was watching, you know, the practices, I think we saw that Michael Panix has the best arm in terms of pushing the ball vertically down the field, the velocity, the strength, that that goes to Michael Panix. I think Bo Nix's arm talent is good. I think he can make every NFL throw, but I still think it, it's not at the level of Michael Panix. But I do think on the the ball placement in terms of the short to intermediate, that might be a little bit towards Bo Nix of the two there. So nothing really stood out. Like there seemed to be a lot of misses at times in practice. Usually the first practice for the quarterbacks doesn't go too well. Uh, A lot of the reports and from what I watched saw on the, on the available film, 
was that both of them struggled that first day. I think they got into a little bit better of a rhythm. And when you still saw some wow spots, I think it was still from Michael Paddington's arm talent, just the ability, uh, you know, to push it effortlessly vertically down the field uh, and the arm strength. But I, but I do think Bo Nix was probably the best of the of the big names down there this past week. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think anywhere from the middle of round one, maybe we could see Bo Nix uh, to the end of round one or early round two. I think Michael Paddock's squarely probably a day two guy. Uh, just from the, the buzz down there, I think, you know, with the injury concerns and some of the inconsistencies, even with off of that great game against Texas, even though he's my QB4, I think a lot of people might have him as QB5 or QB6. I think the NFL might feel that way. So so I think that's where we are with the two big guys. The guy who I would say was probably most impressive uh, at the senior bowl from what I saw and from the reports that I read was Spencer Rattler uh, out of South Carolina. He just, he's got really top level arm talent. We've known that for years. It was a reason once upon a time he was thought of as maybe QB1 in two draft classes ago. And maybe, maybe he was going to be that guy when we saw him in Oklahoma. Uh, so the arm talent is top notch. He's got the ability, you know, to move around the pocket and playoff structure, make some second reaction plays. For him, it's just the consistency, uh, the decision making. And, and we see moments where he looks like a high level caliber prospect and other moments where he struggles. But I did I did think this was a good week for him. So if I was saying that like spent uh, Bo Nix and Michael Paddocks were maybe stock neutral, I would say I think a little bit of a stock up for Spencer Rattler. I do think he's put himself now in position to be QB7 in this class after obviously the big three being Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jane Daniels. Then we have that trio of Michael Paddocks, Bo Nix, and J.J. McCarthy. I do think... Um, Spencer Rattler has put himself in the mix to potentially be QB7 in this class. Um, I do think QB7 will be a senior bowl guy. I think Rattler is in the lead position right now. I think he could sneak into somewhere on round three. Uh, and I, I think it was a it was a pretty good performance from him this week, you know, reminding people that he does have the arm talent. He does have the ability to make second reaction plays just because he does have the athleticism to move around, throw on the run, stuff like that. Uh, but I think the other two guys that'll be in the mix to be QB7 are also two other senior bowl guys, and that's Michael Pratt out of Tulane and Joe Milton out of Tennessee. Uh, Pratt is a guy that, listen, a lot of people are higher on him than me. He's got he's got traits and tools to be an NFL starter. Uh, but to me, you know, there's still some more consistency I want to see. Uh, but he's a guy who I think's flown under the radar a little bit in this deeper, this deeper class. I think he's going to be more of an early day three pick, kind of where we saw guys like Aiden O'Connell last year. Uh, Stetson Bennett, uh, Jaron Hall. I think that's kind of where Michael uh, Michael Pratt's going to be. Uh, but but he's a, he's a guy who I, who I do think has a skill set to maybe develop into a backup quarterback. Uh, he doesn't have high level physical traits, uh, but he's got a pretty calm demeanor about him. Um, he can be accurate, especially if things are in rhythm and things are set up. Um, so he's, he's a guy, an interesting guy there. I want to watch some more film on him. I, I still feel like I'm not seeing what some people are seeing. Uh, and that makes that always sends me kind of going back to the film a little bit when other people I respect tremendously um, have a higher evaluation on him. Uh, but he does have some accuracy. He 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 got a clean release, good mechanics. Um, so he's an interesting guy who could be in the mix there. I think late round three, but my guess is more fourth round mix. And then you got Joe Milton. You know they were calling him Bazooka Joe, like the best arm talent in terms of straight velocity, strength at the Senior Bowl, probably in the draft class. But he is 
very inconsistent. Ball placement, accuracy, you don't really know where you're going with it. You're not seeing the easy plays uh, completed with regularity and consistency as they should be. But he, we're talking about a guy who's got really great size, great frame, you know, special arm strength and velocity to make any NFL pro. But there's a there's a very unrefined developmental aspect of Joe Milton's game. So I think when when people come to the decision of Rattler, Pratt, or Milton, who, if I was going to say right now, I think those would be the guys that would be the third trio, right? We have that top three trio. Then we have that middle trio with, with Knicks and uh, McCarthy and Panics. And then I think the next trio is the Milton, Pratt, uh, and... And uh, who's the other guy? I'm forgetting. And Spencer Rattler, right? Milton, Rattler, and Pratt make up that third trio. I think Milton has the highest ceiling of that trio, but also the lowest floor. So it really looks like what you're looking for. If you just want raw traits and raw tools and try to harness it, Milton's your guy. If you want a guy who you think feel pretty good that can develop into a backup quarterback as a day three pick, I think Michael Pratt's your guy. If you want a little bit of a mixture of a higher ceiling, um, than than Pratt, uh, but not maybe at the ceiling of Joe Milton, but not as big of a bus factor as Milton. I think that I think Spencer Rattler's your guy there. So I think you know if I was if I was guessing right now, I would say I think Rattler goes as QB seven, Pratt goes as QB eight, Milton goes as QB nine. I would personally have Rattler and Milton ahead of Pratt because I think at that point I would be shooting for the upside, and I think raw traits, Rattler and Milton's raw traits are better than Michael Pratt. So I would gamble on that rather than just hopefully. Pratt developing into a functional or serviceable backup quarterback. I do think there are traits of Milton and Rattler's game that are starter worthy. There's just a lot of refinement, a lot of consistency, a lot of development needed uh, on all on a lot of aspects of their game. Uh, so those are that's kind of really what stood out at the quarterback position. If we take this to the running back position, and listen, I, I do think the running back position is without a doubt the hardest to evaluate and get a feel when you're watching senior bowl practices, not until the game and then who plays in the game, who doesn't play in the game. Uh, so a bunch of ways. I think the guy who stood out the most in practices, I don't think he played in the game, but the guy who stood out the most in practices was was Marshawn Lloyd out of USC. Obviously, formerly of South Carolina, went to USC. Uh, he's got a very good acceleration, good burst, uh, very violent in terms of his ability to cut back. He's got a good feel in terms of vision and then uh, anticipation, good patience, uh, a lot to like, you know, good slasher. So he's a guy who I think uh, has the power to, and the contact balance to pick up yards after tackle, but, or after contact, I should say, but also the the speed to make a big play, to get to the outside. Uh, I heard somebody say, you know, they reminded him of Isaiah Pacheco. I think it's a pretty good comp, to be honest with you, with Marshawn Lloyd in terms of his running style. I think he might have a little bit more explosion and a little bit more burst than a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, but I think his physicality, his toughness, I could see the, the I could understand the comparison to Pacheco. But I do think Lloyd has put himself now in the mix to be RB5 to RB8. I, I keep saying that this draft class in the running back position is really up for grabs. And when you see a guy like Marshawn Lloyd have a good week down there at the senior bowl, I think that could generate a little bit of buzz for him. He was a former big-time recruit, you know, so he does have some college production to his name. So I think Marshawn Lloyd is a a really interesting guy, uh, and I think he was probably the most highly regarded prospect there at the running back position, and I think he lived up 
uh, to the billing and then some to maybe have put himself though in the map. It's, I would still say round four guy because I just think the running backs are going to get pushed down in this draft class. If he went somewhere in round three, I wouldn't be stunned. But uh, but I'll still say that round three, round four uh, is going to be the sweet spot for a lot of running backs. And I think Lloyd could be in that mix for sure. Uh, Rashina Lee unfortunately left the left the Senior Bowl injured. He did have a really good opening day of of practice. Uh, showed good vision, good patience on a couple runs. You saw some burst and acceleration, and I love the, the pass catching ability. Uh, this is something that he's been a good, really good pass catcher since he first got to college. Uh, so he's a guy that now the injury, I think it was a, a torn tricep, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, he's going to be out a little while. He's probably not going to, he's not going to be able to do anything else in the pre-draft process. Uh, so you're probably talking about a guy who I thought was maybe in that round four, round five mix, even though I might've had a late round three grade on him. Cause I liked the player, but he was probably always in that early day pre-mix now with this injury and a, and a pretty clustered running back group. I think you're probably talking uh, about round six, round seven now for a guy like Rasheen Ali. Some other things at the running back position. I think the small school player that stood out the most was Dylan Lobb out of New Hampshire. Uh, this is what makes the Senior Bowl so special. Guys that have an opportunity from smaller programs like this. But, you know, I was talking about him on Twitter yesterday during the game. But this is a guy who's going to be an offensive weapon. He'll go somewhere on day three, whether it's round four, five, or even six. But this is a guy who can carry the ball inside, has the athleticism, speed, burst to get to the outside, uh, really good pass catching ability, showed good agility and quickness to turn the corner. Uh, special teams guy could be a return specialist as well. Lots of like is his game, but I love the natural pass catching ability. Uh, ideal third down back. I, I know the easy comp is Danny Woodhead, but it does make a lot of sense here. But I think he's going to be a guy that the athleticism is going to pop. It's going to pop at the combine. It's going to pop at his pro day. You add that with his running capabilities, how good of a receiver he can be, and his dynamic return skills. And I think you're talking about a very interesting player that might go higher than more highly regarded running backs that are strictly running backs in this class. Because I do think that that Lobb uh, offers this versatile skill set to be in a dynamic offensive weapon in a variety of ways. And you saw it in the practices. You saw it, uh, I think one play in the game stood out yesterday that I tweeted about, but you saw that that explosiveness uh, from his game. So Dylan Lobb was a guy who I thought had a good, I would say stock up on Dylan Lobb. If he was like a round six, round seven guy coming into the week, I could see him maybe even moving himself up a little bit earlier. I don't think too much earlier because I do think he's a niche player, but I could see him moving up a little bit. So I'll say stock up on Dylan Lobb. I think I would, I think I would say stock up on Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, I think about stock neutral on Cody Schrader. I, I like some things about him. Obviously, he had a really good season this past year for Missouri. Uh, I think he's another guy who you're going to see in that round four to round six mix. Um, so I'd say probably about stock neutral on him. Uh, another small school running back, Kamani Vidal. A great frame uh, for a smaller guy. Good contact balance, play strength, toughness, and leg drive. He's, he's, he's shifty in short areas. You, you see that short area quickness and agility. 5'8", 220. Low center of gravity. This is another interesting player who I would say uh, really acclimated well to the senior bowl process, showed that he belonged. So I think an, another guy that I would probably say stock up on him a little bit. Uh, Jalen Wright ended up backing out of it. He wasn't at the senior bowl. He was going to be one of the more highly regarded running backs there. I will say Ray Davis, I think, stock up on him. Showed uh, three down capabilities. I think he's a, a guy who's going to be a committee backfield at the next level. But 
really good pass catcher at backfield. I think he's another guy who could be in that round three, round four mix. So I don't think any of the running backs really hurt themselves here. I don't think it's a place where they, again, not really made to, to learn a lot about these running backs. I think what you see about the pass catching might be the most intriguing part of this. So I, so I do think a couple of the small school guys showed that they belonged. I think maybe you could put them in the mix to go a little earlier. I think Marshawn Lloyd and Ray Davis come out of this probably with the highest draft grades. And I think those could be two guys that we probably see early day three. I don't think anyone right now, any any one of them sneaks in to the early, uh, the late portion of day two in round three. Because I just think even the top running backs in this class, I think we're going to see them fall into mostly the round three. I'm not sure we're going to see any running back in the first two rounds. Uh, so so those were those are the things at the running back position that, that kind of stood out there. Uh, Amani Bailey in the game got a heavy workload. So I don't think a lot of running backs uh, were were participating in the game, but Amani Bailey out of TCU uh, looked gr- good early in the senior bowl. Uh, he's another guy who I think is on that late round uh, UDFA range that, that, that could be interesting to some teams as well. If we take this to the pass category, let's start with the tight ends because I think it was a it was a pretty ho-hum group uh, in terms of what we saw down there. I don't think sometimes we have some of the top prospects who are seniors at the Senior Bowl for the tight end group. I think the guy that leaves there with, with his stock the highest is Penn State's Theo Johnson, and I talked about him a lot on Twitter during this week. Great size and frame, good athleticism, movement skills, speed and burst for his size. He's got good catch radius. Uh, he's got ball skills. He can go up and get it in high points, create space at the catch point. And he's also got the prototypical size that he could play in line, even though maybe not right now, right now he might not be a good blocker. Maybe he's an average blocker, but he's got the size and the frame to be an inline guy, to hold up, I think, in line at the next level. So I think he's going to be a guy that has a chance to be a better NFL player than he was college player. I think teams are going to be intrigued with it. Teams were intrigued with Brenton Strange last year. Teams were intrigued with Luke Shoemaker. Now, Luke Shoemaker was one of the best blockers in college football last year, so I think that's what really pushed him up. But, you know, we see guys like Dalton Schultz. We see guys like Jake Ferguson make an impact at the next level. I think teams could be interested in a guy like Theo Johnson. He does have an athletic package to him as well. He's got the size and frame. Uh, I, I think he's got a real shot to be, to be in the mix, to be a round three pick in this upcoming NFL draft. I think he is a guy who could be potentially be tight end five. Um, I would prefer Kate Stover over him. I'm not, I don't know if it's a slam dunk that the NFL will, but I I'll, I would personally. But I but I do think after the first couple guys, Dio Johnson, you know, could be in the mix there. You know, like I like Ben Sinnott more. I like Kate Stover more, but I'm not even sure the NFL would definitively prefer Ben Sinnott or Kate Stover more than Dio Johnson. So I think really after uh, after obviously Brock Bowers and uh, Jatavian Sanders, I think it's up for grabs who could be tight end three. I don't think it's crazy to think Dio Johnson could be in that mix, even though for me he's five. I think he's the guy that you're going to see come off the board uh, somewhere on day two, and that might be a little bit of a surprise to people, but I think you should keep on the lookout for that because then there's a real shot of that happening. Uh, some other things that stood out, Ben Sinat was there. I think he is the third best tight end in this class. We'll see what the, you know, he was a focal point of that K-State offense this year. I like the athleticism and the movement skills. Uh, I think he's a really good route runner and can create separation. So there's a lot to like about Sinnott's game. I think he showed some of that down there. I didn't think, I, I thought he was maybe even going to stand out a little bit more than he did, uh, which is why I think Dio Johnson had the best week of any of them in terms of stock up. I think Sinnott was kind of stock neutral. Uh, for me, Jaheim Bell, listen, we know who Jaheim Bell is. He's not going to be a prototype. 
He's a jack of all trades. I've I've comped him for a while to Chico Conquo. I think he showed uh, that ability in, in some of the practices. I think he made some nice plays in the game as well, showing that ability uh, to pick up a chunk yard in the past game. You can use him in a variety of ways. So I like Jaheim Bell there too. I think he's another one of those guys. I don't think he's going top four or five tight ends, but I do think somewhere on early day three, a team's going to look at Jaheim Bell, and if they're looking for like a movable chess piece, if they're looking for a move tight end, if they're looking for an H-back who can do different things, I think Jaheim Bell is going to be of intrigue to a lot of teams uh, at the next level. I'd say he's stocked slightly down on Brevin Spad Ford while he's got that rare size and frame. Uh, he, he seemed like he struggled a little bit uh, when I watched him on film, I thought for his size and frame, he had decent athleticism. In the senior bowl practices, I didn't really see that as much. But I do think he's a guy that for his size and for his frame, when we keep that in the perspective, he does show athleticism on tape. I just didn't think this week maybe it came across as much as we've seen in, in film a little bit on him. Uh, other things at the tight end position, uh, A.J. Barner made some plays. I think he could be another guy coming out of Michigan who could be in that mix somewhere. Uh, in the you know early day three, round four, round five mix, I got to do a little bit more research and film watching on AJ Barner to get a little bit better feel for his game. And then Jared Wiley's another guy who I think you know really really good productional production at TCU this past year. I think he's another guy who could be in that mix in that in that round four to round six. So I would say it was a little bit of a stock up for Jared Wiley as well. If we take this to the wide receivers, let's start with the, I would say, arguably the star from the skill positions of practices, which was Roman Wilson out of Michigan. The 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 feedback from the people who were down there, the clear evidence when you were watching the, the practice film that was available on NFL Network or ESPN showed a guy who at times was almost uncoverable for the defensive side, for the defensive backs. You know, really good athleticism, footwork, the separation he was creating, the explosiveness, uh, the ability to go up and get it, like very smooth route runner. Again, you talk about him and he's a guy that if he played in a different offense where they threw the football all over the football field, we might be talking about a guy that put up a monster statistical season. I think he had like 12 touchdowns. But this is a guy who I think now has pushed himself into the mix. We're talking about Ladd McConkey, who I'll get to momentarily as a top 40 or top 50 pick. We're talking, I think Roman Wilson has now put himself in that mix. If Wondell Robinson could be taken in the top 50 two years ago, if... You know, last year, you know, we had Tank Dow fall a little bit further last year, but I think if he would have went round two, nobody would have been surprised. I think a guy like Roman Wilson, we're now talking anywhere round two to the first 15 picks of round three, he's going to be coming off the board. So if anybody originally had him slated as like a day three guy, I think that's out the window. Now I think it's, does he go round two? If so, how high in round two? Or does he come off the board early round three? I think he should be in most people's top 10, top 12, top 15. It's such an amazing class that even if you put him in your like 11 through 15 range, it's not really a knock on his game because we're going to have 15 wide receivers who go in the first 100 picks. I think that's almost a lock at this point to have 115 wide receivers come off the board on the first three rounds. But Roman Wilson, clear star from the offensive skill group uh in terms of practices from what I saw at the senior bowl and and from reading all the great reports uh that were out there as well. Other guys that really shined, 
at the wide receiver position as well. I would say Ladd McConkey, uh, another guy, going to be more of a guy who's best in the slot, but I think he's got 90 to 100 catch upside. His quickness, his footwork in and out of breaks, his is a way to separate at the at the top of his routes. Really savvy route runner. Good understanding of route concepts. Got a lot of speed. Uh, movement skills are, are are very smooth. You love to see it. He's the guy who can pick up yards after the catch. He can get vertical as well. Lad McConkey, I think top forty, top fifty. You're seeing him come off the board. And another guy who, if you don't get Roman Wilson, if you don't get Lad McConkey, that general type. I think Ricky Persall out of Florida has now put himself in the mix to be a round three type guy, if not round three, early round four. Uh, I think he can play best in the slot, but I think he could also be a, a, a Z on the outside as well. Really good route runner. Uh, another guy, really sharp cuts, good separation quickness, good movement skills. He understands how to run routes, creates separation, knows knows how to set up defenders, got really good hands, Uh Shows even shows the ability to get vertical as well. Uh, so there's a lot of gets off the line of scrimmage well. Lot to like about his game. So I think the guys, the three guys that I think stood out the most at the wide receiver position were Roman Wilson, Lad McConkey, Ricky Purcell. I think those were the three guys that stock up on those guys, especially for Wilson and and and, and Ricky Purcell, who maybe were looked at as more uh, early day three guys. I think Wilson is a lock for day two now. I think Parcells now put himself in the position to maybe go round three, if not early round four. I think Ladd McConkey has put himself in the mix to either be late round one to the top half of round two. So I think stock up on him. Uh, stock down on one of my guys who I really like. You got to say stock down on Devontas Walker because whether it was in practice, whether it was the reports I read on things that weren't on film or was what you saw in the game, the guy's got high level athleticism. He's got speed. He can get off the line of scrimmage well. But he's got to do a little bit better job getting his other hand up, coming down with the catch. He didn't have a lot of drops on film, but he had a rough week here with some drops in practice, uh, not finishing at the catch point. This is That's his calling card. So a guy like Des Walker, who, you know, I question why he wasn't in Dame Brugger's, you know, two-round mock. But then you saw him in Daniel Jeremiah's first uh, one-round mock. And you saw him 26th overall in DJ's top 50. So I was like, okay, like, you know... Deep class, people are going to have the wide receivers all over the place. I think Des Walker, upside and talent, is a first-round guy. But I do think it's such a strong class, and it's such what are you looking for, that a team might value Roman Wilson or Ladd McConkey over a, a guy with a, a tremendous ceiling, but a little bit more of a bust potential, a little bit more of development needed in a guy like Des Walker out of UNC. So I still like him. He's still in my top 10. He still intrigues me a lot. But I do think this was a week where he could have went down there. And if he shined and he was making highlight play after highlight play in practices, or even if he came down with one or two of those in the game, I think he would be generating a lot of buds. Instead, I think it's he's going to send people going back to the film. His film is up and down. It's got a lot of high highs, but it doesn't have a lot of consistency. And now you're, you saw some drop issues at the senior bowl. He's not a refined route runner. He's not a nuanced in terms of understanding of route concepts. So his calling card is using that speed to win vertically down the field. If there's questions on, on what he can do at the catch point or him coming down with the ball, that's going to that's gonna raise some questions about how high he should be on draft boards. So I think definitely a little bit of a stock down on Des Walker based on my expectations, which were very high as a guy who I thought could be a late round one guy. 
Uh, I think my expectations now are going down a little bit more of a maybe mid to late round two guy. And I could see some other wide receivers who who are more explosive slot guys and have more, I think, maybe not a higher ceiling, but a much, much higher floor, maybe going ahead of him. Uh, I would say stock neutral on Xavier Leggett, depending on where you had him coming in. I never had him on that round one thing. I think he's a good player. I thought he was a guy late round two to early round three. I think that's where he's still going to be. First day, practice was not good. Second day, he, he turned it on. You saw some of those explosive playmaking abilities that he offers, and he ended up unfortunately getting hurt and, and not uh, participating on, on day three or in the game. But I think he's a guy who's got that straight line speed. He can win vertically. He's tough. He's physical. Uh, a lot to like about Xavier Leggett's game, but I think some people might have had him as like a borderline round one guy. I was never there. He was always in like my 10 to 12 range, which I think that's going to be more of like mid round two to mid round three. So I think like it's kind of what do you think about his week? I think it's kind of dependent upon where you had him. If you had him as a guy you thought maybe can be the fifth or sixth wide receiver or seventh wide receiver taken and be around one guy, I think you would say stock down. If you had him as as a guy that are you know, a late round three, then maybe a little stock up. But I think if you if you had him in that like late second round range, I think it's about stock neutral. I think that's still about where mid round two to early round three, I think is more uh, his appropriate range. And if that was your mindset, I think it was about stock neutral for Xavier Leggett. Uh, Malachi Corley would be another guy I would say is probably about stock neutral. Uh, obviously, we know very short dot. They do a lot of stuff after the catch with him. He's going to get the Debo comps. Uh, I did see some stuff I liked with him being able to show his ability to get vertically down the field. Uh, I still think there is more refinement needed to his overall game, uh, but that's not a bad thing. Like we, you know, we've seen that before. Like he just hasn't been asked to do it. So you know, I just saw this with Jalen Hyatt. Like there was a lot of talk that Jalen Hyatt couldn't do this and Jalen Hyatt couldn't do that. And I know his statistical season wasn't great, but that was more on the quarterback and the Giants' offense than it was on Jalen Hyatt. He showed a lot more than what Tennessee asked him to do. I think Malachi Corley's got the skill set to do a lot more than what Western Kentucky asked for him on top of having that special Debo-like thing. Now, again, Debo's a rare outlier, so it's hard to comp somebody to Debo. is very tricky because for every Debo, there's 10 guys like that who, who just doesn't work out. Uh, but, but I do think he's a guy that I think is still in that mix to go somewhere in round two. And the question will be, do teams prefer a guy like Corley or do, do they pivot now to a guy like Roman Wilson or Ladd McConkey or, you know, is Malachi Corley, uh, you know, a lock to go over, you know, who I was talking about before, uh, Ricky Purcell out of Florida. I, I think that's now debatable questions. So so I think Malachi Corley showed some stuff. I think there's still some refinement and development needed, but we kind of knew that going into this week uh, as well. Some other guys that I thought, uh, stood out at the wide receiver position. I thought Luke McCaffrey had a rice bigger. I think he's more of a big slot. I like the ball skills, the body control. I thought he showed some good uh, ability to adjust and win contested catches. So I, so I thought a little bit of a stock up for him somewhere as a day three type prospect. Uh, Brendan Rice, uh, Jerry Rice's son, uh, six foot three, two hundred and ten, was a downfield threat for USC. Uh. But he's got some fluidity to his game. Obviously, good understanding of route concepts. Would you expect anything less? Uh, plays re- really tough physical receiver. So the other Brendan Rice had some nice reps there at the Senior Bowl as well. Uh, Javon Baker, I thought, was a little bit up and down. The former five-star recruit. Uh, 
I'm not as high on him as others, but I, I think he's got an intriguing skill set. Obviously, uh, this past year, 22 yards per catch, over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, you know, I heard somebody say a Michael Gallup type comparison. I can see, I can see that in terms of his skill set. Uh, really strong class though, so I, I think he's going to be more of a early day three type player. You know, maybe, uh, maybe he could sneak in the back end of round three, but I think Javon Baker it, it, probably looking at early round four. Uh, Johnny Wilson, I think, again, he's going to have difficulty separating. Uh, He's got good athleticism for a man his size, but I still think, you know, the play strength, the toughness, the physicality, that's that's where he wins, but he drops a lot of passes, and I think that's going to be an issue. Uh, I would like to see him, you know, be more of a big slot or move tight end. Uh, but I think right now he's going to try at the wide receiver position. I, I think for him, it's it's the consistency in terms of catching the football is is where the question lies there. Uh, just kind of going through, seeing if I miss anybody at the wide receivers. I think that's kind of kind of it. Uh, some guys that overall not at the skill positions that I thought stood out on the old line. You know, Oregon's uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. Uh, one of the top offensive centers in the draft. Anytime I watched him in one-on-ones, he was just dominating everyone, showing that play strength. Uh, Tyler Guyton, the right tackle uh, at Oklahoma. I think he's locked into a top 15, top 16 pick. Uh, very athletic, good play strength, good power. Uh, this offensive tackle class is, is spectacular. Uh, Oregon State Talia's Fuaga, another guy, top five offensive tackle in this class. He could be another guy as early as 10 or, you know, gone by like 15 or 16. So really strong offensive line group uh, stood out there. On the defensive side, you know, uh, Lyle out of the edge rusher at UCLA was the best edge rusher there. Uh, maybe not as explosive, uh, you know, as, as we've seen some of the top edge rushers look down there at the Senior Bowl, but really technical savvy, really good understanding uh, of setting up good pass rush plan. Uh, I thought that he stood out a little bit, but the star on the defensive side of the ball was Punyan Mitchell, the cornerback out of Toledo. Uh, he was generating a lot of like top 20, top 25 buzz prior to the senior bowl. Now I think we're talking about a guy top 12, top 15, you know, in the mix to be the second quarterback taken. If we assume that Terry Arnold at Alabama is going to be quarterback one, uh, but, but Mitchell right up there, uh, he was, in, in the setting that is set up for the wide receivers to be successful and the DBs to struggle, Mitchell did a fantastic job uh, just kind of showing his ability to cover, stay with these guys. Really, really impressive performance uh, from him. Uh, Braden Fiske, the defensive tackle out of Florida, out of Florida State, he stock up on him. Uh, really, they, they asked him to switch teams the morning of the actual game because they were shorthanded on the other side. Uh, but but he really had an outstanding week, dominated a lot of one-on-ones. I thought he popped. Uh, some other guys, uh, Darius Robinson uh, from Missouri. He's a guy who I think you're going to see him play all over the defensive line front. Uh, he's going to do a lot of different things. He's got great length, he's got power. Uh, he dominated the one-on-ones at times. So really uh, good upside player there with Darius Robinson. I think you're going to see him in a lot of late round one mocks. Uh, post senior bowl now uh those are those are i think some of the guys on the defensive side that really stood out looking to see if i missed anybody that that kind of wanted to bring up uh on the offensive i think i got most of the defensive guys oh uh, defensive tackle uh, deandre sweat out of texas i think he's locked in for round one 
Uh, Ohio State's Michael Hall Jr. really flashed a lot this week. I think he's another guy. Uh, expect him to come off the board maybe somewhere early round two. Uh, so the defensive tackle group, really strong down there. Uh, the linebacker group, uh, J.D. Bertrand out of Notre Dame, uh, is is a guy that I thought had a good week down there. Also, Peyton Willis out of NC State. Those are, I think, the two linebackers that probably had the best performances. Uh, so it was a a stacked senior bowl class. And again, I think we can't lose sight of the fact that only 57 underclassmen declared. With, with NILs and the transfer portal and, and the wild, wild west that is college football right now, you know, we're going to see a lot more senior bowl guys go in round one, go on the first 100 picks. Like, they're going to be filled with guys from the senior bowl uh, more than ever because of how little underclassmen declared for this upcoming draft. So this really gave a, a, a good sampling of kind of seeing these guys, get a feel for these guys in the practice settings. The, the coverage was really good. They finally had all-day coverage on NFL Network. I still wish they would just have an online feed, you know, showing even without announcing, just showing everything. Uh, but this was the best coverage they've had on the Senior Bowl, I think, in, in all the years I've been doing Saturday Sunday. So that was good to see. And now we turn the page, right? Uh, Combine is in about four weeks. It's the at the end of the last week of February. Uh, so we will obviously have some shows kind of setting up the stage over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think we will we will push the Tier Buster series till after the Combine this year, just to not try to rush it uh, before uh, before things this year. Uh, so, you know, there'll be more shows leading up. We'll have a detailed combine preview, obviously. Uh, and then we'll have some other shows here just kind of setting the stage on, on some prospects, uh, maybe kind of giving, you know, a little bit of a rankings update post senior bowl, you know, pre combine. And then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, do uh, our tier busters and our tiers, uh, post combine once we kind of get some athletic scores. Cause I do think there's a lot of positions that, again, we don't want to overvalue certain things like the Combine or the Senior Bowl. But I do think you're talking about a class this year that, you know, I don't think there's going to be much movement on the quarterbacks based on the Combine or the Senior Bowl. But you look at a position like the tight ends, and most people are going to have one, two locked in, Brock Bowers, Octavian Sanders. But three through like six, three through seven, like there's there's a very razor thin margin of these guys. And the film shows different different aspects of what you're looking for for a tight end. But sometimes then you get these athletic testing and a guy who you have rated highly because of his pass catching ability and his ability to separate. Well, if he tests poorly, that's not going to work at the NFL level. And then the guy that you might think has got enough athleticism, but he tests really slowly. So, Or some guys that are similar players, but then one tests far superior in terms of their athleticism. So I do think the tight I do think like the tight end position, the combine can help sort things out a little bit. At the running back position, I really do think while this while the 40 time might have very little merit for the running backs, I do think the overall athletic package in terms of the you know the jumps, the explosiveness, things like that could really stand out. The the pass catching drills that they make them run uh at the combine, I think for some of the underclassmen, maybe they just weren't asked to do it too much. What do they look like in those drills? So, so I think the combine could help sort some things out with the running back rankings after the top in particular. And then even the wide receiver rankings, it's such a great class. And guys are so close together. Like if you just take the guys I was talking about before in terms of 
the slot guys, right? The vertical slot guys, whether it's Ladd McConkey or Ricky Purcell or Roman Wilson, you know, where do they test? Are they all close in athleticism that maybe you just go to based on your film? Or if the film is close, which it is, is there some differentiation based on the combine in terms of how fast these guys are, how explosive they are? And then the same thing with some of the bigger guys. Like, how does, you know, how does Jalen Polk test? How does Xavier Leggett test? Like, how do these guys test out? Like, I, I think that could help sort some things a little bit. Like, where does Troy Franklin come in with his weight? Like, you know, obviously, he's got the size, but the frame is a little bit of a question mark in terms of battling at the next level. So, so I think the the combine is going to be fun to kind of sort some things out. So I think I think it, it benefits maybe to wait post combine to do the tier buster shows, then bring on some guests as we push our way uh, to then the final almost two months, basically all of March, all most of April. So I think there's plenty of episodes where we could push the tier buster shows to after the combine, uh, and then still have plenty of time to bring in our guests to talk about each of the positions as well and overview of the draft. Uh, so, so I'll come up with some ideas for the next couple of weeks. Obviously one of them will be a combine preview. Uh, there might be a week where we take off, uh, from the show just cause I, I got some vacation plans with the family. Uh, but I'll let you guys know, uh, there'll definitely be another show next week. Uh, and then, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of set the stage over the next couple of weeks to, to get us ready for the combine. So guys, if you're enjoying this content, please get over to the website uh ss football fastest and easiest way to get there rate review subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast please for 9.99 uh consider purchasing the premium content that we offer you get access to all three of our notebooks you get the scouting notebook which has like 80 to 100 detailed player profiles uh some more are, are still being uh filled in over the next week or two uh, on some guys who I think are high-level prospects who could go in the top 100 if they weren't in the notebook already. I got some updating to do on guys who are in the notebook already. Uh, it's been sorted by guys who are in the draft, guys who have de- uh, decided to go back to school. You got the rankings notebook, which has all their different rankings. Uh, that'll be continually updated right up until draft day. It'll have our tiers in there. It'll have our dynasty rookie ranks post-draft. It has our positional overall dynasty rankings, which will be updated in real time during the NFL free agency in, in March. Uh, and then in in, in uh, April, a uh, week or so before the draft, you get access to the draft projections notebook, which will have tabs for every single position, offense and deep, uh, defense, snapshot of how they win, some developmental areas, ranked in the order in which we expect them to come off the board based on everything we're hearing. Not our personal bias on that, just everything we're hearing from the best in the industry, trying to give you a guide for what we expect to happen on draft weekend. Uh, we've had tremendous success predicting what, how we think the NFL draft will go. We'll have a tab projecting the 32 prospects we expect to come off the board in round one. The I believe it's 102 or 103 players to come off the boards in rounds one for three, a tab for that. And then a tab trying to project every single player that gets taken in the NFL draft. Uh, it's usually around 256 to 260 picks in the draft. Uh, that'll be determined once compensatory picks are announced. Uh, we will have tabs for each of those as well, big boards. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.